Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. When it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books. We're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast. That's B R O. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ending. Yeah, it's alright, good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Slow, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two, heelsandaface.com. Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S, and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan, and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country, working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. And most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes, no holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. All right, welcome to another episode of the Front Row Material Brand. Soon to be joined by the other half of the Can-Am Connection. His name is Christopher Butt. Coming up on tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about Jade Cargill. 
Now, word is it that she finished up with AEW. Is it for sure that she's going to be heading to WWE? We'll talk to you about that. We'll also talk more about Wardlow. It seems like there's some rumor and speculation that he may be heading out as well. We'll find out more about that. AEW had his big grand slam on Wednesday night. We're going to get the full lineup, the details of what happened there. And WWE made some very surprising cuts and some ones that weren't so surprising. We'll also talk about the merger uh, with TKO between the UFC and WWE. And what does that spell for the future of Vince McMahon? we got some new news on that. All that and so much more. But right now, let me bring him in. He's the second portion of the Can-Am Connection. His name is Christopher Butt. What's going on, man? This is it, Michael. Uh, another night of hanging out with you. Uh, the work week is slowly ticking by. One more day to a three-day weekend. Nice. And, yeah, things are good. Four good. weeks in my next show, four and a half weeks. I was about so, to say the countdown is starting. The crunch is on now. Now, now it becomes the all I do is make toys. But it's it's all good. We, are, we already got goals set. Well, if sales are good, Linda and I are going to go to Las Vegas for Christmas. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Viva Las Vegas. It's yeah. one of my favorite places. We'll go for four or five nights. Nice. And if they're really good, I'm buying a new bandsaw. In Vegas or just in general? In general, up here. <laughs> uh, Linda doesn't know that yet. But... Oh, she. Oh, oh, that that should be interesting. Huh. The missus doesn't know, but so tell me here. I'm not very much of a handyman, probably no surprise. But what is what is is a bandsaw? Bandsaw, yeah. So what is that ballpark run? Uh, and what brand do you endorse? Just in case someone's listening and they would like to get a bandsaw. Uh, Rikon 14 inch bandsaw is what I want. I currently had the Rikon 10 inch. Okay. Um, I got the Rikon 14 inch, uh, but two grand. Wow, I wasn't ready quite for that price tag. I uh, am a little so not like Ryobi or not no. like steel or. I don't think steel makes a bandsaw. Steel's expensive too. Steel is expensive. You're right, but uh, okay. So let's just say somebody is not in that price range ballpark. What would be, in your opinion, the next if it if you want to say a step down, at least from price? What would you do if you couldn't get the one you're looking for? I'd get the one I already have, Rikon 10 inch. You just get a brand new 10-inch? So would you keep your current 10-inch, or would you sell that, or what would you do? I'd keep it, put a different blade on it. Nice. That way you don't have to change blades. So I use a couple different sizes. Oh, I didn't thought about that. That's really good. Good so point got, on that one. Get a bigger blade or a bigger saw. Use the same size blade, same thickness. It's obviously longer. A little more power. Yeah. I never had to buy another bandsaw. Well, sounds like you know what you're talking about. And if it's something that you want, then uh sounds like it's something you're probably going to end up needing, actually, when you think about it, with the toy production ramping up, right? It would make life easier. I'd get by fine with the one I have. I burned out the one before this. I oh. burned the motor out of it. Wow. That was a cheapie. So... So the next show is, what, three and a half weeks away? Four, about four and a half weeks. Four and a half weeks, okay, um, so. Actually a month exactly today. Today's 21st. Yeah. 21st nice. of October. 
So what is the venue? What's the location? Uh, is there any details out yet? It's the R.G. Sinclair Public School uh, here in Kingston. Uh, it's on Creerar Avenue. I'm just looking at the number. There's a 35 Creerar Avenue. So it's a public school. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be a pretty solid market. Um, we're hoping to do fairly well there. That's the plan, anyhow. See what we can do. Make a couple bucks. Have some fun. I think you'll do very well, my friend. I hope so. Thank you, Mike. I always have con. See, here's the thing about the Budster. It, what, what I love a lot about you is you are persistent. And when you see something that you want, you go out and you go get it. And you've expanded the toy line, which is awesome. You have already been in stores before. Another, another potential opportunity, depending on how things go, uh, with you deciding on that. But then, obviously, these all their big shows right now. I mean, these word of mouth is really good, and it seems like you're getting a lot of good press right now when it comes to just people knowing your brand and really happy with the product that you put out there. I've been very lucky that way. Uh, done a couple shows, met some people, made some connections, and yeah, I've been. I've been blessed, we'll say. Well, I tell you what, Santa uh, may be getting released from his contract. Uh, the the jolly old man, listen, he's been great for a while, but you know what? Nobody is impervious to the cuts. That kind of takes us up to our number one story today. WWE made a lot of cuts today, which some people were expecting and actually caught some people off guard. Now, ever since the merger was announced with UFC to create a brand new company called TKO, WWE had speculated and there was rumors that they may start cutting. Well, that was actually quashed this past summer when they had openly stated that they were not going to be making any cuts, but people still felt that that was still something that could be on the horizon. Well, today we found out that, yep. It, in fact, did happen. Many WWE stars who had been in either developmental, which is NXT, or on the main roster, were given their walking papers. Um, let me first ask you this, Buster. Had you seen the list of people who had gotten released today? I've seen some. I'm not sure I've seen it all. It was quite a list. I think the last time I'd seen it was probably about a dozen people. Yeah, yeah, over a dozen people so far. I believe the total might be up to 16 right now um, that have officially been released. It's it's sad because, you know, the funny thing about WWE is, is that they're so wealthy and they're making money hand over fist. Right now, their television ratings are probably as high comparably as they used to be. I mean, the closest to the Attitude Era. And then you have that in consideration and then you look at the merchandise sales and, and how they're selling so well with their tickets. Uh, WrestleTix is on Twitter, and you can follow them. They give you all the updates on the shows, and WWE is not having a difficult time moving tickets. So, look, I'm not a corporate guy. I don't know the structure of all of this. What is the point here? If a company is doing well, why release people when it's really honestly not financially affecting the company? Just trimming fat. If you look at some of the people they released, I don't even know who the hell they are. They haven't been on in forever. Some are not over. So you're further ahead from a business standpoint. 
is you get rid of a little bit of the dead weight people you see no future in. Right. Or they're just not working out, plain and simple. And just let them go. Or maybe their contracts were a little inflated. They didn't quite fancy it too much. I mean, some of the people that got released, I didn't know who they were. And I'm not trying to be a jerk. No. I had no idea who they were. And that's fair. I mean, and they even admitted on, on many outlets that some of the people that had gotten released were still in training. You know, they had gotten signed under WWE contracts, but they were still in training. And some of them haven't yet made their debut onto NXT, but some of them had. And I want to go over a few people who uh, unfortunately are no longer with the company. So WWE finally announced that they have a brand new TV deal. Oh, yeah, that happened as well. Yeah. Following the announcement that SmackDown is actually going to be heading back to the USA Network. Starting next October, there was a deal that's for $1.4 billion over the course of five years. Now, this is according to the Wall Street Journal. WWE began, began uh, having intense discussions with the USA Network and NBC Universal. Now, it ends up that USA Network is going to have SmackDown and Raw now. And in addition to that, they're going to have four yearly uh, big shows that are going to be airing on NBC. We may be seeing the return of a Saturday night's main event. Now, in addition to all of that, here are a list of some of the names of those who had been released. Mustafa Ali, which really surprised some people. But sir, if you remember a couple years ago, Mustafa Ali took to social media to express his frustrations and I think we've all we've talked about this before. Despite your frustrations, please, please, please do not put them on a public forum. Um, it never ends well when people do that. So as talented as he is right now, do you think that – and he was actually you know, in the midst of an NXT uh, North American Championship feud with Dominic Mysterio and Dragon Lee, and now he's officially out of the picture – what were your thoughts on Mustafa Ali? Because he's not just a, a no-name guy, and it's not somebody who's not been on a pay-per-view before. He, in fact, has. Do you think that this one was a little more surprising, taking into consideration his involvement in these storylines? He was probably the biggest surprise for me. Very good. Very talented. Uh, you, know, you, you love watching him wrestle. Decent on the mic. I don't know what happened there. Uh, that That's a surprise. I did not see that one coming. Not in the least. Um, somebody's going to scoop him up. Sure. That's, that's a foregone conclusion. Because people are already after reaching out to him, guaranteed. But I didn't see it. It's, it's not just because he's talented. The timing is weird. It is I'm very weird. He's yes. still... Uh, I don't know if relevant is Ray word. He's still involved in storylines. Correct. It's he's still not like on he's TV. He's just a guy that's been bouncing around on filler matches or or jobbing out or nothing like that. He's still relevant. And now he's gone. So which which makes the stories well, it affects the stories adversely. It affects the stories completely. I mean, what do you do when you're in a situation like this and now all of a sudden, you know, there's a graphic of uh Mustafa Ali and um Dominic Mysterio and now that graphic now has to be altered and you know what happens with Dragon Lee and his positioning as well because the 
it's not just one thing that happens. It's it's a it's a domino effect. It one knocks down the other, which knocks down the other, which subsequently also affects the programming of the show. Who are they going to mix in with new stories now? But not only that, but uh, Dolph Ziggler uh, has been confirmed by Fightful Select that he uh, mm-hmm. has gone from WWE as well. Now, now his last match was on May 29th. Um, so it's not it's not as, as if he's been on TV because he, he frankly hasn't. Um, Shelton Benjamin also is gone from the company as well. Now, both of these guys have been around the company for a very long time. Uh, I believe Shelton Benjamin was originally back in 2006, and then Dolph Ziggler was not that far away from that either. Um, Dolph was actually uh, approaching his 20-year mark with the company. Uh, Emma, who is the husband of Riddick Moss, now you may know Emma as well. Um, (laughs) The wife of Riddick Moss. And Riddick Moss is gone as well. So it's it's interesting because that entire family right there just basically lost their uh, their their income here. Another person who's gone is Elias. No more walk with Elias, and no more Ezekiel either. Um, that whole aspect just never ended up working out. I feel bad. Elias never really I feel like caught on as much as he could have because I thought he did have a great personality. Um, I loved his segments in the ring. I also thought that he wrestled really well. So. Kind of a surprise on that one. Um, Rick Boogs has also been released as well. He was the guitar player uh, when he would accompany Shinsuke Nakamura at one point in time down to the ring. Then he ended up branching off and, and spinning off and having his, o- his own career. Uh, Hit Row member Top Dala was released as well, which, again, can't really be a very surprising thing because Top Dala was released the previous time they made cuts and... He's now two for two. Uh, Aaliyah has confirmed that she's officially cut by WWE. Um, She was the fastest one. Uh, She got cut early on. Uh, Mansoor is gone as well, and so is Mace from the Maximum Male Models, which, interestingly enough, was led by Maxine Dupree. Shanky is also gone as well. He had been doing some stuff with Jinder Mahal but he was released. Dana Brooks was also released from the company. looks like she will no longer be around. Um, now, there's some other releases that came from NXT. Quincy Elliott, Dabu Kato, um, Bronson Montana, if I'm saying that correct, Daniel Arthur, Kevin Ventura Cortez, uh, Alexis Gray is gone as well. Some of these people had not officially been on TV yet, as the Butster had said. But it's still, you know, interesting that people uh, people are gone. So big thing here. So they announced the new TV deal with USA Network. So now USA Network has both shows, a one point four billion dollar deal for five years, and now they just got rid of a bunch of stars. Some people say that this isn't surprising because. The company has merged, and they had to, as you said earlier, they had to they had to cut some people. Uh, why I don't get because they're not really making that much money that would put a dent in anything. I found out the average salary of someone in NXT is sixty eight thousand a year, American dollars sixty eight thousand a year is what they start them at. It's not bad money. I mean, for just wrestling, no. But I mean, if you have to take care of your own taxes and you have to take care of all these other things and. There's a lot that go into it, but no, it's not terrible. Um, but again, you also don't have healthcare coverage either. 
So if you get hurt or anything happens, it's all out of pocket unless you're a big enough star where they're willing to flip the bill for you. Um, Elias being gone as well. What were your thoughts on Elias when he was in uh, his main run on the Raw roster? I liked Elias. That was a loaded question because you know I liked Elias. Um, he's gonna. He's another guy that's going to scoop up. He's impact bound. That's where I think he ends up. Yeah, Elias is uh, one of those guys that I feel like when he started, he was different. He was unique. He had a good look. He could play guitar. And I just felt like there's something about this guy. And, you know, his catchphrase is WWE stands for Walk with Elias. And then he was gone for quite a while. And then they did the whole storyline with his twin brother, Ezekiel, which was basically Elias with no beard. And he did some stuff with Kevin Owens. And I was really curious about where that was going to go. And then obviously that didn't go anywhere. And then he was off of TV. So, again, I do think an Impact Wrestling would be good for him. I think he would be a good fit with that company. So hopefully Elias will uh, will get back on his feet quickly. Uh, Dolph Ziggler. Let's talk about Dolph, man who has won many championships in WWE. What's your thoughts on Dolph Ziggler, and where do you think he may go next? Where he's going to go, I have no idea. Um, surprised he got released. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, I don't think many people seen that coming. I get he's been off TV for a bit, but he's a company man. He's been around 20 years. I. And he's still putting off great matches. It's not like he's dead weight. He's still fantastic. And he's had some good runs. Let's let's not forget that. He's not just a guy that's been kicking around, you know, mid-card, jobbing, really just riding coattails for 20 years. He's been fantastic. So him getting released, I did not see that one coming. Um, Where's he going? Let's be honest, he's going to fetch a uh, top dollar. Like he, he's he's going to get paid well wherever he goes. So that narrows it down, really, to AEW. Would he fit in an AEW? Yep. I think, I think he would. Style. Yeah, I, I think he would. They've Brash. already got to blow it up roster. <laughs> well, I mean, you also have to take in consideration his brothers there, Ryan Nemeth, mm-hmm. the Hollywood hunk. So I think it would be kind of cool for them to maybe form a tag team. And, I mean, just to get to wrestle with your brother, I think would be kind of fun. And, I mean, obviously. Oh, Mike, no. I think it would be. I think to work with his brother. I think it would be good for him to to wrestle with his brother. I think it would be good. I'm sure it would. It'd be fantastic. There's no doubt about that. What are you going to truly do with it? You're not going to bring Dolph Ziggler. Dolph, try it again. Dolph Ziggler in and turn him into a second-rate tag team. Because that's what he's going to be with his brother. Well, what I'm I'm trying to get at is, no, I mean, I think other things are going to spawn from that, sure. But I think your brother's with that company. I mean, when you think about it, that's a really cool opportunity as well. Now, and you also have to think about this. When we talk about where people can go, 
realistically. I don't know what the budget is for Impact. I'm sure that they can take people for a while. That's why you see a lot of big names go there on a short-term contract, and then they end up leaving. Will he end up doing the Matt Cardona thing, going on to the indies and, and making a big name for himself? Maybe. I think there was a time when we looked at someone like Matt Cardona as a real trailblazer and that he would eventually get back to WWE. That never happened. And I think every year that goes by that Cardona is not back in WWE, this whole I'm a trailblazer, you know, I'm on the indies, that that dies out after a while. And every year that clicks by, you do get a little older. So I wonder where he'll end up because I don't think Impact has a huge budget. And then if you look after that, I don't think the NWA has a very big budget. You know what I would I'd be really I'd like to see would be a bunch of like big name stars go to a promotion that really doesn't have any recognition and blow it up. I think that would be cool. Okay, where? I mean, if they were willing to play ball, impact would be good. If they were willing to really take a deep hometown discount, if not. You got to figure wherever they go, they're going to have to take a huge discount. They're going to have to. No one is going to sign Dolph Ziggler to Dolph Ziggler WWE money. It's just not going to happen. Tony Khan could, but would Tony Khan? Yep. Um, would Impact Wrestling 100% sign him? They would from his talent based, but it depends on what his asking price is. I'm, I'm going to try to find some information on what he was making. Um, so I don't know really where you can go because we often throw out the topic of, well, they could go to Japan. I mean, sure, anybody could theoretically go to Japan, but very few end up going there. And those who do go there actually have a great career, but you don't really see people jumping back from Japan to the United States. You just don't. Well, realistically, Dolph Ziggler has very few options. Very few options, yeah, unless he's willing to take a huge decrease in salary well it need to be stupid money and and Dolph Ziggler you're not going to get him for a hundred grand a year no of course not that would almost be insulting but what I would say with Dolph Ziggler is I mean if I were if I were Tony Khan which I'm clearly not because I blink um I think Dolph would probably have to cap out at about no offense, maybe three hundred to three fifty a year. Okay, but who's who's signing him for that? Tony I mean, a, that's he, it. He would be the only one. Let's say if he went to Impact, you're looking at a hundred k or less a year, most likely on the lower end of a hundred k. If he went with a an NWA, I mean, you're talking like fifty grand, if that. Well, that happened. Shit, I made that. He's not going to work for them for that. No, I mean, after you've been in, in WWE and you've made a lot of money, but maybe he saved his money. I don't know. Maybe he's... Even if he did, he's not going to go from making... But let's be honest, he's making a couple mil, I would assume. A mil for sure. Uh, well, to keep, keep talking and let me look. There's, that's just ridiculous. Even if he has been good with his money and saved it, that's just a slap in the face. Expect somebody to take a tenth of what they've been making. Yes, I get it. He's not on WWE contract anymore. But still, that's 
That's just fooey. All right, nobody here. Nobody mind doing that. Here is the information right now. Dolph Ziggler was a professional wrestler and a current stand-up comedian in America. He's one of the highest-paid wrestlers in WWE, earning a salary of one point five million a year for his contract. Now, his net worth is almost four million right now. Uh, with incoming of multiple sources, including acting, endorsements, his stand-up comedy, social media. Some believe he may earn as much as $5 million annually with his salary. Now, obviously, that's including the one point five from WWE. I don't think... Okay, first of all, Tony Khan is not, I repeat, not going to give Dolph Ziggler a million dollars a year. That's just not happening. Not a chance. No way in this world. I would say the highest I would give. Well, hold on. I'm looking at some other stuff here. So I have a conflicting uh, article right here, and this is obviously coming from Celebrity Life Cycle. It says... One of the richest WWE stars for a long time in the company... Uh, his market value is $3.8 million right now. Uh, let's see here. His endorsements are roughly $194,000 a year. Um, let's see. His net worth, again, is nearly $4 million as of 2023. And his salary, again, I think there may be some bonuses and pay-per-views and all that that factored into all of that yet. But it says, personally, his contract has been paid a handsome amount of money. After finalizing his deal, he's been getting the salary of roughly $775,000 per year, while other bonuses have been added in to make him quite a fortune, which ends up leading him to the $1.5 million. Uh, two years ago, just two years ago, kids, his salary was $391,000, and he's continued to go up ever since that. So, But the thing is, endorsements uh-huh. and you know, his online whatever clickbait stuff uh-huh. that's going to decrease if he's not on TV every week well I don't think he's been on TV very consistently even now but you're right you know, I mean, up until three months ago he was right that's his bread and butter he's known as being a WWE star so if you're not a WWE star your asking price is going down. I mean, that that's fact. It's just the way it is. It's true. Yeah. So now his endorsements, he was making 200K. I mean, I have no idea, but he might only make 150K or 100K. Still very good money, but not, uh, not the same. Is he still going to sell out as many comedy shows? Because he's known as Dolph Ziggler Dressler, not Dolph Ziggler the comedian. Well, I mean, look at it from this perspective. If you're going to see him at the comedy club, do you think there is a portion of the people in that audience going just because he's the WWE guy? Yes, more than think, not. Well, so you would say there's more people going to the show because of being able to see him more so than necessarily his comedy. Yes. Would you say the same thing probably happens with the Honky Tonk Man and Jake Roberts? Because they also do their tours of mm-hmm. comedy. Yep. I've Fair seen enough. Jake's tour. So Was it I good? Went to, it, was, it was very good. It's dirty. Wow. <laughs> He's pretty pretty crude. I had, 
Yeah, I have a feeling he's a little raunchy. I mean, is it is it is it situational comedy or is it all based on wrestling? All based on wrestling. A lot of more storytelling than comedy, but it was, it was excellent. Nice. Yep. Um, for those wondering, what has Dolph's resume looked like? Well, I'll give it to you: the World Heavyweight Champion twice, NXT Champion, uh, Intercontinental Champion six times, United States Champion twice. Raw Tag Team Champion twice and SmackDown Tag Team Champion once. I've asked this question before. I'm going to ask it again. Do you think at the end of the day, after his career is over and he's out of wrestling, is he a Hall of Famer? Yes. That is a no-brainer. Is The Miz a Hall of Famer? Yes. The Miz gets in before Dolph. I think The Miz is amazing. I love The Miz. Would you think it would be great if The Miz was in AEW? Oh, buddy. That would make my life complete, I think. If would, they brought over The Miz and Otis. I was well, I was just about to say, would you be would you be upset or saddened, I would say, if Otis got cut? I would be more than saddened. I would be infuriated. Yeah. Interesting, yes. interesting. The butster. We're going yeah, deep emotionally. I, I got there. some quirks about me. I know that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, there is, but we'll save that for later. Um, so look, that's the WWE cuts. We'd love to know what your thoughts are on social media. Hit us up. I am at the Mike Freeland, T H E M I K E F R E L A N D. He is at Gotnoof two two nine one nine one. Um, we're going to be giving the Twitter handles out again a little bit later on in the show, but the big story is the cuts. Now this, you know, this wasn't horribly surprising when it came to the front offices because WWE made a lot of cuts in their front office because simply you don't need double office staff when you're one company now, but I want to get your take on this because this is really upsetting and bothersome to me. You have some of the guys out there, the, the wrestling, uh, reporters, if you will, who are reporting on these just average people who work their day job in the office reporting that they've been cut or they've been released. I think that's shitty. I don't think that's necessary. Leave them out of it. If you want to talk about the wrestlers, talk about the wrestlers, but you don't need to be talking about people who work in the office. You agree or disagree? I agree 100%. If you're an on-screen talent, whether it be a wrestler, manager, interviewer, um, even a, um, the warrior's wife, uh, her whose name is escaping me right now. Dana. Dana. They they reported that she was released. Uh-huh. I'm sure you know that. That doesn't really bother me. Hell, she's got an award named after. Her. So that doesn't fizz me. But if it's just, you know, Frank in accounting, leave Frank alone. That man has not done anything wrong. Nope. He just lost his job. Leave him alone. There's there's no need of that stuff. I think the other thing that gets me is, and I'm not, again, I'm not going to name names because it's not necessary. And you probably know who I'm referring to. And it's not Dave Meltzer. So obviously you can probably figure out who else it is. I don't believe these people have these inside sources that they claim they do. Oh, I talked to some WWE executives. Okay. Let's think about this. Let's see if it passes the smell test. Do you honestly think my sources with inside the company say that there was a meeting late at night held by 
No, I don't buy any of that. I don't buy it. Why would anybody from the company narc out to some online writer about really detailed stuff, such as, well, the storyline was going to be going this way, but according to my source within inside the company, that has now since changed. Like, why would they tell somebody like that, that kind of information? It makes no, It makes zero sense to me. It wouldn't be logical, but people have to talk. People have to talk out their ass. We do it every week. Yeah, but we're fun when we do it. No one expects anything from us. When you when you tout yourself as being, or maybe you don't tout yourself, but you 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 kind of puff your chest out of being the guy when it comes to pro wrestling, which I'm not going to say. Um, it's just a little bothersome that like, why do you? Uh, I don't know. What? There's no benefit to it. There's, There's no benefit to whoever it would be, Mike Freeland, for example, not the right. guy, but come up like, well, my source is telling me that so-and-so was supposed to be getting a title shot, but he's not now because he's an asshole. Right. There's no benefit to that. Nope. There's really not. Who gains in that? Nobody. Nobody. So talent X now is labeled as an asshole. Yep. Right, people think it's just more drama and fooey and gaga going on backstage, which we all know it is, but we don't need to know what it is. Just right. like any workplace, there's drama, there's nonsense. There is, you're right. And who who gets anywhere in this? The dirt sheet reporter. That's the only one. He gets a bit of attention. Yep. He gets a couple more clicks, so he gets a couple more bucks from his advertisers. There's nothing positive. We, we don't need to know the backstage foolishness. But yeah, but I, I guess the point that I'm saying is I don't think this these people have the backstage connections that they say they do. I think some of them do. But Okay, so let's say, for example, I... Well, okay. I can tell you this flat out. I know wrestlers. I'm not going to name names. I don't say a word. I would never say a word. Never say a word. But, I mean, I'm not completely on the outsides of the wrestling industry, but I don't say shit to anybody, nor would I ever. I mean, I had some great – I had some conversations with some people through DMs when I was booking for guests, and we just had a casual conversation. I found out some things that way. I didn't talk about it, and I think it's interesting, but I'm by no means going to be like, oh, hey, guess what? Why? I just, I don't feel compelled that way. I don't, I don't get it, but whatever. Well, I'm with you. I mean, things don't need to be out in the public. I don't understand the whole need to know the dirt. Uh, that's just the way I am. I don't, I'm also very much a, I don't care guy. And I don't say that in a, in a, no, but like it's just, I, I, I don't literally mean I don't care about anything. Right. But it's like, I, I don't care for dirt. I don't care for drama. I don't care for... Just the wrestling. Bullshit. Yep. Well, I mean, think about this, Butster. You, you know about this. Whether it's wrestling or any company, every company has its bullshit. Everything does. And there's always people saying, oh, did you talk to Tammy in accounting? Oh, did you talk to Robert up in financing? He says the company's probably going to be for sales. Too. Like they don't know anything. 
They don't know anything. But what's the, the telephone game? Yes. Is that what it is? Is that what they call it? You know, one person hears, you know, something stupid. And then by the time it gets through 10 people, the world's about to implode. I know. It's sad. Well, what do you get out of it? I don't, I don't know. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing beneficial, just fooey. Well, the other thing that bothers me, and, and we'll get back to our main topics here, but the other thing that bothers me is that when these websites release the spoilers, like I get it, like people were at the event, and if the people at the event, like the fans, choose to like tweet about something or put it on Facebook or whatever, okay, whatever. But and, and of course, I don't have I don't have to read it, and I don't. But it's just why, why. What's the point? What's the point of telling me everything that's going to happen on this show before the show even airs? I don't have a big issue with that. If it's a fan, if I'm at the show, that's fine. I feel, I feel like putting up some pictures. Hey, well, I've sent you pictures of shows I've been at. Yes. Before. But that's one thing. But if it's just doing it just to announce the results, I don't know if that's necessarily beneficial to anything. If you're a reporter, per se, if you're just Joe Schmo like me or you and we're at tonight's event you know, because we're not coming out saying, oh, well, there was um, Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins match and it went 18 minutes and four seconds and Cody won by blah, blah, no, it's no, hey, we're at it it might be a selfie, pictures of the matches going on, but that doesn't bother me, but when people need to come out and, and announce What's going on? Like, does it not take away from the surprise? The it does. Like, I know kayfabe's dead, and and the internet has done away with you know a lot of a lot of surprises in life because you always know what's happening because it all has to build. But you don't need to come out and announce every single thing. Leave a little bit of a little bit of fun to it, a little bit of mystery. We'll say, Amen. That's uh, that's our two cents on some of this. It just be, I don't know. I feel like the wrestling media. I mean, did you ever watch, by the way, any of the media scrums that they have at the end of these pay per views? No, I, I don't. Okay, so I watched a couple of them, and then I thought this is the biggest pile of horseshit I've ever watched, and I stopped watching them. So basically, what it is, it's a press conference, and there's people from. I will legitimately say news outlets like, oh, I write for this magazine or I'm from, you know, wherever. And that's fine. I get that. Whatever city they're in, you know, I get that. That's fine. But then you have all these other like podcast people and I'm not jealous of it, but it's like some of the stuff that they talk about and ask is just pointless. It's it's just like, that's not a question to ask. That's dumb. Um. And you often wonder, how do these people get press passes? Like, I don't understand. It's just, wow. People in wrestling do live in a bubble. Even the fans do. They all live in this little world, you know. Like, it's almost like your Marvel fans, right? Your Marvel or your, um, what's the other? Uh, DC. DC. They live in that own little world. And I enjoy wrestling for what it is. But for God's sake, some people just take this stuff way too far. Yes, some people, but it's not just wrestling fans. Like, you know, you get some football fans, baseball, basketball, 
definitely hockey up here. It's life. It's religion. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's 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 relevant to your country. That is a a classic prideful thing for your country. I get that. In the United States, we don't necessarily have that anymore. I mean, it used to be baseball was America's pastime, and then all of a sudden that kind of went by the wayside. And then it was all that's the NFL, and then that was not so hot. Um, it still pops a good rating, don't get me wrong. But then it's college sports. So uh, hockey, I feel like, no offense to them, but you know, baseball hasn't been really relevant with Toronto for a while. And hockey's their big thing. That's what they're known for. So, I mean, I, I that is religion. That's their life. That's their world. I get that. Um, are you a Raptors basketball? No. no. However, when they won the championship, Lynn and I were in Toronto. Uh, just We just happened to go up for a weekend, just a little getaway. And we had a hotel rented not too far from the stadium. Okay. So it was a pretty good time. Nice. Could, from the balcony from the hotel we had, we could see a – they call it Jurassic, Jurassic, whatever it is, where all the fans hang out by the stadium and watch it on the big jumbotron. You Jurassic can see it. Park? No, they call it Jurassic something else. Okay, I'm not but sure because I, I, I don't follow the Raptors. Uh, yeah, I'm not a basketball guy. It was just, it was purely by dumb luck we decided to go that weekend. We booked it months ahead of time and just right, just worked out. It was a good time though. It's just bedlam downtown. I believe it. So I believe it. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Jade Cargill here for a second. So for those of you who are wondering, you've probably seen on social media that Jade Cargill from all signs look like she's going to be heading towards WWE. In fact, that she was supposed to report to the WWE according to these inside reporters that she was reporting this week to uh, the performance center. Now, I don't know what Jade's situation was with AEW, but I think the thing that was surprising to me was she had recently uh, made a statement that uh, AEW is the place that she wants to be and she would rather be nowhere else. And I get it. Like if you're, you're cornered, what else are you going to say? Right? So I, I get it from that perspective. I mean, she can't say anything other than that, then she's just going to look foolish but I really thought Tony Khan thought that she was going to be a big part of the women's division. And then as soon as Chris Statlander came back, it was like, oh, boom, the night Statlander comes back, she wins. Oh, boom, she calls out Jade. Boom, she beats Jade. And then that's basically it. And so I started wondering, was Jade just Tony's champion until Stat got back? Was she just a, a, a placeholder? Because Statlander was out for nearly a year, and then obviously Jade went on that run. But you have to think that even though Jade went on that run, she's still developing. I mean, I don't think that she was technically as sound as she could be. Um, I think being a babyface might have worked better for her. I think the heel thing just seemed very forced. But do you think that... Uh, that Tony made a concerted effort to keep Jade? Or do you think when Jade's contract expired that she had heard enough chatter from the other side that she said, you know what, maybe I should explore it? I'm sure he, he gave her an offer. I mean, he pushed Jade for quite a bit. We've seen yes. her every Wednesday night or every other Wednesday night for sure. Um, 
Jade never got better, though. She never improved, unfortunately. And I think that might have been something that's holding her back. Uh, Brandon and I were actually talking about this. You know Brandon Brown. Mm-hmm. He's been on the show with us. Um, he thinks she's going to do great things in WWE. He's 100% convinced she's going to be the cat's meow. Now, why, I've never why, been a fan. Why, but okay, did you ask him why he thought that she would be so great in WWE, but she wasn't so great in AEW? I'm just going to grab his text here now. It's, it's basically how WWE develops people much better than AEW does. And he's not really, really wrong about that. I think what WWE does well is they develop characters really well. I don't think they necessarily develop good wrestlers. She's not I don't a think wrestler, though. She could no. be a great character. She could be a great character, and and she obviously has the chance to grow as a, as a wrestler. But I think she's made to be just a personality, and then wrestle when she has to. Um, I don't know. I'm just I I had so high hopes for her, and I know that the Rit was a big fan of hers. I was kind of rooting for her because I wanted to see her improve. She's got a great look. I mean, yeah. I agree. She has a fantastic look. Look, please don't take it as I'm beating up on her for just to be a jerk. Sure. It's just to me, I was never a big fan of hers. You're right, Rit loved her. He would have proposed to her. Oh my god, yes. Like straight up, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's just to me, she never developed. Never and evolved. She never really did anything for me. I don't think her matches were good. She was Goldberg-esque. I, I can see that. Five moves, six moves, squash matches. Not really good. <laughs> Way better wrestler than I could be. Don't get me wrong. But she just never developed. She was the same when she started versus when she left AEW. She yeah. never developed. Now, how much of that was her? How much of that was... AEW, realistically, it was probably both. They could have probably, they should have done a better job of developing her as a talent. And she could have put the work into. So I think they kind of both dropped the ball there. So it's not, you can't blame one over the other. She just, as far as I'm concerned, she just never got better. And I just got tired of it. Well, she's going to have allegedly a, a new start there in WWE. We'll see what happens. Again, these sources claim that she is not going to be going to NXT, that she would be getting ready to debut on the main roster. Wow. Um, yeah, that's a that's a big thing because they, they even sent Samoa Joe, who is a fantastic star, down to NXT, which actually was kind of ridiculous in my opinion, but it is what it is. Um yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see what WWE is going to do with her. Do I think there's a chance that she could still not work out for them? Yeah, I do, actually. Because you got to think about it. You may change places, and sometimes change of scenery is a good thing. But if somebody doesn't have the will or the desire to change, then they will be the one that's holding themselves back more than anything else. I mean, it's just It's just like that. So, you know, her, her husband has been a successful Major League Baseball player, Brandon Phillips. 
Uh, he played for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, I like him tremendously. Great guy, beloved in Cincinnati. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with Jade. We wish her the best. And uh, interesting to see what they end up doing with Jade once she hits the uh, the WWE scene. Another big story that's happening right now is the speculation that Vince McMahon will potentially end up leaving uh, WWE now that the merger has officially gone through with UFC to form the new company TKO. Now, Ross Berman is writing in, with the merger of WWE and UFC into TKO Group Holdings, Vince McMahon's ironclad grasp on WWE is now officially slipping. Uh, Dan Pamrick of Axios pointed out a story on Thursday that there was a recent SEC filing that said that all of McMahon's shares for the sale are registered for sale, meaning investors can purchase all of McMahon's 28.84 million shares, likely netting Vince, once they sell, a cool $3 billion without any red tape or any limitations that he would normally have for any other type of sale. So with that being said, his shares are on the market to be sold, according to an SEC filing. So could this be a point where Vince says, I sold the company, I made the deal, I got the $9 billion for, the, for my half of the company, um, now I still own 49% of the shares or whatever it may be of WWE, I'm going to sell the rest of those, make another $3 billion, but now I'm officially done with everything. Make $12 billion and walk away. These numbers are ridiculous, just so you know. Oh, Think about it, Mike. We're talking about billions. Billions of dollars. And the man is nearly 80 years old. And you know that he is, I mean, and this is not to be disparaging, but, you know, how is he going to live another 20 years? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um. I mean, if they're on the market, if his shares are on the market, there's got to be something to it, no? Wouldn't that make it, sense? It would make sense, and it just surprises me that that's the case. Um, I mean, Maybe I don't... This is just at the point that, you know what? I'm 80. I've had a good run. You know, I've, I've built wrestling to what it is today. I'm going to take my money and leave. I know it totally contradicts what I've said on the show numerous times. Right. I just don't see that being possible. This is all he's known. But maybe that's what it is. Maybe he has seen the light, we'll say. He's just going to straight off into the sunset with his bundles of cash. You never know. But that's. It's more and more it appears that that's what it is going to be. He's just... Gonna done. be done. Because you gotta think if you're the guy that's used to running this company, now you're not anymore. You don't have the final say on everything. However, the reports are also coming out that he still does have the final say on WWE programming. Correct, he does. Now that's so that's because he, he was put in charge that, of power. Yes. So if he still has that, what's really changed? He still runs it all. Doesn't own it all, but he still runs it all. So it's kind of the same thing, more or less. Mm-hmm. I, I don't it's it's a funny one. It's 
it's hard to to nail down a real good answer because there's a lot of variables and I know personally I'm torn in about 10 different directions on this as to what it could be. I guess deep down I still go back to I can't see him just walking away. I, I just can't do it. But then you see the reports like that come out it makes it seem like he is walking away. I also have said numerous times Vince would never sell. Well, I got that wrong. Really, really wrong. But we never so, thought it would. We thought it would have to be pried out of his dead, cold hands. Like legitimately, it was getting willed out. Yes. That's what I expected. Yes. So, I don't know, but when you read reports like that, and these are reputable reports, kind of looks like he is just going to skip on down the road. Or maybe he's just going to take his money. He's got his nine bill. Take three bill more. Because he signed a two-year contract with these guys. Maybe he's just going to ride out to still stay. Doing whatever he's doing. Get his extra two years of salary. Which you know is a pretty penny he's making on that. I mean, because who the hell can pay their bills on $12 billion? He's going to need a little bit of top-up cash. And... Maybe just gonna ride it out that way. That would yeah. make sense. I could see that. It's, it's a real funny going on. Everything is just, it's turned into everything nobody thought would ever happen. I agree. It's bizarre it's, world. We're all kind of spinning in circles. So Vince may or may not be at some point in time exiting from the company. His stock shares may or may not be up for sale. Uh, the may or may not be worth an additional $3 billion. Um, it's very interesting to hear that. The cuts, the new deal with the USA Network, which we talked about before. You know, we talked about Jade earlier. Um, it looks like, for all intents and purposes, she's heading to WWE. That really started us to, to question, what other stars in AEW, uh, or really any other promotion for that matter, where somebody could actually end up heading to WWE? And I think we've talked about this before, and this is a travesty that Wardlow. And, and you and I have talked about this. We've beaten a dead horse. I'm just going to make this short and sweet and to the point. Um, Wardlow, I almost want him to go to WWE and be ridiculously successful because I think he's a good dude. Um, I loved his matches. I thought he could do amazing things for a big man. And for whatever reason, they're not using him. They're not using him. And, and somebody on Twitter made a comment. They said, you know, you have enough time for this 18-year-old kid, um, Nick Wayne, but you don't have any room for Wardlow? And I thought that was an interesting comment because it's like that guy had so much of an appeal to the AW audience. And, and we said before it was organic, but now – um, I'm wondering what he's going to end up doing and if he's going to decide, you know what, maybe a fresh start for me is with best. I think Triple H would absolutely adore someone like Wardlow. Yeah, I hope he does leave. Sounds callous, but I hope he does. Don? Sounds Don callous. They have screwed everything up with Wardlow. I agree. That is just a cobbled up shit show. They've never got anything right. You know, the whole MJF thing when they had a perfect time to have him turn. 
Nope. They screwed that up. Then the bullshit title back and forth. Never on TV. I don't know what happened there. How could you screw that up so bad? Did it just not like them? You know what? The more I think about it, could it be a personality clash? Maybe. But at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for the company. And if he's not causing a problem backstage and it's just a personality clash, like, you know, we like the guy. He's a little different, but he's not really making waves backstage. I don't know why you don't push somebody like that. It it bothered me tremendously that nothing ever really came to fruition with him. And every time I thought that he might come back and didn't end up being the case. So I hope Wardlow does go uh, to WWE and become a huge star because he deserves it. And he's in the prime of his life right now. He's got a great look. He can talk when he wants to. So we'll see what happens with him. Um, time will tell, but wrestling is... Uh, it's really up in the air right now. Really up in the air. Did you get a chance to catch Grand Slam the other night? I caught bits and pieces of it, yes. Grand Slam, from what I have, uh, just the opinions of people online, Grand Slam was a pretty damn good show. Um, I'm going to give you the rundown of what happened on Grand Slam and also give you the grades um, that the matches were given and the overall event it was given as well. Uh, coming up right here. So AEW had their third installment of Grand Slam, which happens in Flushings, New York, at the Arthur Ashe Stadium. Now, I will say this. Uh, up to a week ago, they had only sold 6,000 tickets. Now, granted, there was a big push towards the end, right before um, the show went on the air, and I think they reached around eleven or 12,000 people in the arena, which was nice. Definitely less than what they had the prior year, which was in the 13. 13, 14, and it was definitely down from the first year they did it when it was over 20. So there's your little litmus test right there of what's happening. Um, the matches, we started off with Eddie Kingston, uh, the NW or New Japan uh, strong uh, champion, taking on Ring of Honor world champion Claudio Castagnoli. Now, this feud has been going on for about 11 years. They started feuding on the indies. It spilled over to Ring of Honor, and then obviously... Uh, Casanoli went into WWE, and Kingston just never got signed on. They've been feuding for a while, and um, in front of a big crowd in New York, Eddie Kingston is the new Ring of Honor world champion as he dethrones Claudio Castagnoli in what many people said was a great, great match. Uh, Bleacher Report gives it an A. Um, next, we had a, another really good match. It was the Sex Gods. Uh, seemingly going against each other. Sam Guevara and Chris Jericho had a doozy of a match. And at the end, Sam Guevara turned on Chris Jericho, much like Chris Jericho turned on Shawn Michaels after their WrestleMania 19 match. It's a good fresh start for Sam Guevara, I think, in my opinion. Jericho's better as a babyface. The match got a B-plus from the Bleacher Report. And from the things I saw online, people were really digging this new direction for Sammy Guevara. Do you agree that it was time, Butster, to maybe put an end to this whole Jericho Appreciation Society and start to let these people try to develop themselves on their own? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Because that was another outfit with so much talent between Garcia, 
Sammy, uh, Cool Hand, and and Magic Slapnuts, whatever his name is that I can't remember right now. Cool Hand Ange. And Magic, come on. What's the other guy's name? Med, uh, Matt Menard. Matt Menard, there we go. No, the, as much as I'm being a dickhead here, make fun of his name, they're actually really good. They're I'm good. just being smart yes. ass. They're fantastic. Right? And they, they need to get a little more exposure. If you're in a um, faction with Chris Jericho, you're always going to play second fiddle. Oh, I agree. Now, with that said, I think they're all probably better wrestlers than Chris Jericho is right now. I would at agree. At this point in his career. I would agree as well. I'm not taking anything away from him. Jericho sure. said a fantastic career. You know I'm a big fan of his. But he's, he's been around a while. He's you know he's a little bit older. He's slowed down a bit. That happens to everybody. That's not a, a slight at him. That's just the way it is. He still puts out great matches, but they're all probably a little better than him in the ring right now. But but as long as they're with him, he is going to be the leader. And that's how it works anyhow when you have your your legend. And let's be honest, Jericho is 100% a legend. You're always going to play kind of second fiddle to him. Now they can go on, do their thing. Now it looks like Sammy's going to join Don Callis' family and see where that goes. And I think that's going to be fantastic. I do too. Sammy's good. He is so good. Probably he's incredibly underrated, to be quite honest with you, in my book. Yeah, I think Sammy Guevara definitely has the in-ring ability and the mic skills to be a big star. I really do. And who did they say were the original pillars of the company? So it was Sammy Guevara. Darby Allen, MJF, and Jungle Boy. In Jungle Boy. Okay. Well, which he's just Jack Perry at this point. Um, so I think Gavar could do big, big things, in my opinion. And I and I hope he does because again, he's talented. I'd love to see him spread his wings and be able to do stuff on his own. And um Don Callis is just, man, he's good. And there's so many people who are praising Paul Heyman nowadays for what he does. And, and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. He definitely does. But, I mean, as far as on screen, I think Don Callis is – he's pretty damn close to Paul Heyman, in my opinion. He's getting there for sure. Let's talk about another big match that happened at uh, Grand Slam as well. Um the big match was Ray Phoenix challenging John Moxley for the International Heavyweight Championship. As many of you know, on the last pay-per-view, which was all out, John Moxley defeated uh, Orange Cassidy to become the new champion in a match that a lot of people say was Orange's breakout. He main evented a pay-per-view. He put on a great performance. He earned the respect of Moxley, earned the respect for the fans even more. Um, I think the thing about Orange is he's starting to evolve even more. But... Moxley's defending the title here against Ray Phoenix. Now, again, uh, depending on who you want to believe, Moxley was supposed to retain the championship. But early on in the match, uh, we're finding out that he suffered a mild concussion in the match, and he still continued. 
Uh, the medical staff got word, I guess, from the ring that he was a little loopy. Uh, Phoenix ended up hitting two pile drivers back to back. And uh, the referee actually paused when he was counting the three count because uh, Moxley did say go home and Ray is going to go over. They were making an audible in the ring in real time. And Rick Knox didn't make the three count. There was a pause. And then he finally put his hand down for three. And it stunned a lot of the people in the audience. And they were like, what's going on here? What's going to happen? And a lot of booze rained down. Uh, Moxley was obviously taken off uh, out of the ring, taken up the ramp. He did not want to go to the hospital. We're getting word now today that he is going to be okay. He did suffer a mild concussion. Um, so that may take him out of action in the ring for a while. But you have an impromptu champion now. Now you have Ray Phoenix as your champion. Now, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think Ray Phoenix is a phenomenal talent. I'm very curious to see what happens with the International World Championship now that it's on Ray Phoenix. What's your thoughts on maybe some matchups you'd like to see with Ray? Oh, this is a good one. Didn't expect this. Um, now we're talking matches. I just want to see for pure entertainment. Pure entertainment. That makes sense. No, no, pure entertainment. Like, what What to you would be a good match where somebody could match up well with the style of Ray Phoenix? Going to go right out there on this one. It'll never happen, but I'd love to see it. Ray Phoenix and Penta. It makes absolutely no sense that it never happened. It'd be a bloody good match, wouldn't it? I do believe they've gone at it before in AEW when they were back in Jacksonville. I do believe, and I could be wrong, but I do believe they had a match before. Um, like that, uh, Derby. Penta Sammy. would be great. Darby, yeah, Sammy. Do you feel like your options really open up with challengers with someone like Ray Phoenix as opposed to a John Moxley? Oh, it does for sure, because Phoenix bumps better than Mox. Yes. And it just, with his style, it just, it's a little, I don't want to say easier to work, maybe. Because he's going to do most of the, the flippy-dippy stuff. But you can put him in with somebody who's going to be doing the flippy-dippy stuff as well. And it's going to be fantastic, just spot fest, but it's still entertaining. But you can also throw him in with a more of a, a ring wrestler. What about him and somebody like Commander? Oh, jeez. You could throw Commander in there. You could also throw Kanosuke Takeshita in there. You could also throw um, a Will Osprey in there with him. You could throw a Pack in there with yeah. him. Um, you could even throw like a Lance Archer in there. Sometimes it's really good to have differing styles as well. But Garcia. I really think it could be Garcia as well. I think that could be really. I don't. I like Garcia. I know he's kind of tailed off a bit. He's not popular like he was. He's still really good, though. He is good. I agree. Good uh, they, too. they end up giving this match a B. There was a lot of really good moments in this match. So far, we've gotten some really good grades here from uh, from Bleacher Report. They've also said the audience was really into the whole uh, spectacle as well of Grand Slam. Next up was the AEW Women's Championship. Tony Storm, former AEW World Champion, she was taking on Soraya. I don't like this Tony Storm gimmick of where once she lost the championship, she cracked, she lost her mind, she started to think that she was somebody from the 1940s, and 
you know, or the Raging Twenties or whatever it may be. I liked the badass Tony Storm with the little black under her eye, and she was kind of like a tomboy, and she would fight, and she was scrappy. I don't necessarily feel like I need this big character arc for her. I don't need to see her go from over the top and then all. I just I don't like that. But then again, I guess that's the theatrics of wrestling. Sometimes you like it, sometimes you don't. It just kind of goes part and parcel with maybe not the greatest um, thought process could put into some of the stuff. I, I don't fancy it myself either. I more enjoyed the the meaner, nastier edge tour. Yep. This gimmick doesn't do much for me. Me neither. Um, Saray defeated her. They gave the match a C plus mostly for Tony Storm and her antics in and outside of the ring as well, as she was dealing with Ruby Soho on the outside and all of that jazz. Let's move on. AEW World Heavyweight Championship MJF took on Samoa Joe. Joe obviously won the tournament. To match was happening at Arthur Ashe Stadium. The match, from what I saw and what I've read online, was spectacular. Um, MJF does end up winning the match. Uh, he defeats Joe by referee stoppage to retain the championship. The match got an A. I will also say it also saved face with Joe to set up potentially a rematch for this. Do you foresee before MJF's contract is up him losing the championship, or do you think as an incentive to keep Max, they'll probably keep the championship on him at least through when his contract was set to expire to maybe show that they're really committed to him in AEW? They won't let his – you mean like let his contract expire and he's still the champion? No, let that happen. no, exactly. I'm just saying like leading up to ma- him making a decision on what he's going to do. Do you think he'll stay champion all the way up to that point? Probably. If you're smart. The, and the only reason I say that is because it's, it's, I don't necessarily know if I would say MJF's title run has been what I'd hoped it to be. I'd hoped it to be more sellout buildings. I hoped to be more either horrible booing for Max or a ton of support and cheering him. Right now, I mean, even Cincinnati, I think they ended up... I, we, we looked this up on our show. They were looking at about maybe 1,500 fans. I think they end up eclipsing 2,000. But it's still a far cry from what they were. I mean, I think the first time they were in Cincinnati, it was like 10,000, and then obviously 2,000. So something's not resonating with the fans that come out and support this company, but... And I'm not saying it all falls on the champion's shoulders because that depends on how the champion is booked, but I don't know. I I think you got to at some point take the title off of Max, but they're not going to because Max is this thing going with them with um, Adam Cole, them feuding with Roderick Strong and the kingdom. And right now they're selling merchandise at a high level. So, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And... I think they're going to ride this out for as long as they can. Your thoughts? I think they'd be foolish to take the belt off him. He's the biggest star they have right now. Who's a bigger star? And I know you're probably not going to like to hear this, but I do think that Orange Cassidy is becoming somebody who definitely is going to be a world champion in that company. I definitely think he's going to be world champion. 
because he's not just the foo-foo, you know, silly stuff anymore. I think there's more to him. You know, you saw the matches that he had with Chris Jericho. Now you see the matches that he has with John Moxley. The Moxley match was a really a turning point right here. Even in a losing effort, he could go. And I, I definitely think they need to consider him as being somebody who could carry the, the world championship. I really mean that. Now, do I think he's going to be the guy to take it off of Max? Maybe not. But I also think that in most cases, uh, a champion's second run is normally better than their first initial run. And we've seen that before. We've seen people be champion for the first time, and it doesn't really quite work out. But by the time they get it for the second time, they're more polished, they're more experienced. And I think that's kind of the situation where Max is at right now. Plus, it doesn't matter right now Like if Max has the championship. Would you agree? I mean, he doesn't have to have it. He's already over right now. Oh, 100%. He does not need the title to be relevant. Not in the least. Your problem with Max right now is he's a tweener. He's not a heel, but he's not a babyface either. And yes, that works for some people. Work for Stone Cold. Work pretty good, you might say. I very well. But a lot of times that doesn't work. More often than not, it will not work. Because when I put on the show Wednesday, I want to know if I hate that guy or if I love that guy. Mm-hmm. And when they're in the middle, it, it just makes it a little bit tougher for fans to get behind, I think. Does that make, well, make sense, what I'm saying no, there? It, it makes sense because at that point in time, you're not as invested. And you want to be fully invested. You want to be all in, no pun intended, on either whether you like someone or hate them. You don't want to be on the fence. I agree with you. Right, so I think that's probably what's hurting him more right now. They need to make the thing with him and Cole happen. Yeah. Whichever way they go with it. Cole turns on him, becomes a heel. Or MJF turns on him and goes back to being just a prick that he was before. They need to do one or the other. They can't keep this waffling back and forth. It's kind of a bit, a bit of a dirt bag, but you kind of want to cheer for him too. He cheats a bit, but he's telling you about his feelings and shit. I don't know. They need to. They got to figure out what you're doing with him. Get that sorted out forthwith. Let's talk a little bit about the viewership for AEW Grand Slam. As we just mentioned before, AEW's had a hard time selling tickets, but AEW Dynamite Grand Slam is now officially in our rearview mirror. Now, sports TV ratings reported that the show brought in 984,000 viewers. Now, that did a point three six in that specific 18 to 49 time slot. The September 13th episode of AEW Dynamite did... 888,000 with a 0.31 in the 18 to 49. AEW in general has been hanging in the upper 800s, lower 900s for quite some time right now. I mean, actually in the upper 900s, 984. They said when you broke down the segments that there were uh, the last three segments of the show pulled in over a million viewers. So it did look like they were were doing pretty well with that. AEW always puts on good big events, but when it's the small ones or the the you know, not not the 
I don't want to say less important ones, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like when they build something up, they deliver. I don't think I've ever seen a big AEW card that hasn't delivered. But just on a traditional Wednesday night that's not at, you know, the Kia Forum or, you know, whether they're at some big arena in the Northeast or whatever, in the Midwest and even in the South and Southeast, they're pulling a couple grand tops. And it just kind of blows my mind that with the talent in the roster they have, why is that the case? And we proved that it wasn't necessarily the ticket prices either. So do people not want to see a John Moxley? Because even in Cincinnati, this is John Moxley's home. You think he would sell it out, right? You think he would bring a pretty good amount of people who like Moxley and the, the Blackpool Combat Club. They want to come and see him. But that doesn't turn out that way. I just am befuddled in some ways because 1,500 to 2,000 people is, is basically a really good, like you said last week, a really good indie show, um, but not much more than that. So it's confusing to me. It doesn't make sense. There's no rhyme or reason to it. But yeah. AEW has never grown. No, they haven't. They've kept their basic, their same group of people that they have been using since day one and it just hasn't now some people said well it's you know early on it's that that ship has sailed guys it's five years now i mean you, you gotta have to have done something different at this point to make but yourself stand out their fan base has never changed their numbers have never changed if anything has gone the opposite like i said twenty thousand at grand slam two years ago right was it 12 and, and then it's, it's and then trending in the year. wrong way. Oh, I agree. You would think that as the event gets bigger and you know, it's a third installment, you would think, Oh man, this is really getting traction. Let's do this. But it's not. And this is why I said, you know, if you remember, I didn't think it was a good idea to go back to Wembley. I think, you know what? You had your hot moment, leave on a hot moment until your company's at a point where you feel like you could repeat this or even do more. And I thought this was because AEW. Now that I see it in the rearview mirror, I think that part of the world just really wanted a big spectacle. And I think a lot of people went to it because it was. Now, did you hear the latest news about the, uh, the government is basically trying to say only 72,000 people went through the turnstiles, even though uh, it was like 81,000 people bought tickets. No, I didn't hear that. Yeah, so basically what they're saying now is they're saying that even though it sold so many tickets, not and, and this doesn't make sense. Why would you buy a ticket and not go? I, I probably, get it. Probably the scalpers. That they that they bought them and just couldn't get rid of them, you think? Could be. If they're harassing for too much. and I mean, that's a good point. But you... but. It, Traditional wisdom says, conventional wisdom says, if you bought a ticket to an event, you're not going to not go. Me Why would you, you piss won't. away money? No, me and you won't. No. But if we're people that are buying 50 tickets because we want to try to resell them, scalp them, they don't give a damn. They're not going to go watch it. They're just doing True. it for the money. True. And if they get stuck with some, they get stuck with them. Yeah. Good point. I don't yeah. know if that's the case. That's just the first thing that popped into my head. And why the hell is the government getting involved in this? <laughs> the government. How stupid is some of this stuff? You know what I mean? Good grief. If really, 
Come on. Gosh. Anyway, um, something interesting that I wanted to share with you as well. So the PWI 500 came out and, you know, wrestlers are all jacked up about, you know, where do I fall on the list? Where do I fall on the list? And the top three wrestlers were all the members of the Shield this year, one, two, and three, which I thought was interesting. Um, but did you know that Masa Slamovich is actually the highest ranking woman ever to rank in the PWI 500? She got the 15th spot. Really? Number 15. Wow. I mean, we're talking Charlotte's never done that. Becky's never done that. Bianca has never done that. Um, Brit, Brit Bay. Well, yeah, no, no one, no one, not not Trish, not Lita at her peak. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Clearly not Alundra Blaze. Um, China. Yeah, not even China. Wow, that's I think a, it's interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's hot. 15. Number 15. Good for her. I know. That's that's freaking incredible. That's badass. I agree. So, despite the fact that I would have gone not with, I would not have gone number one with Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins, two, John Moxley, three, whatever it was, I don't know how you don't have... And I'm not saying this because I'm a fan of Kenny, but how do you not have Kenny up there? How do you not have Will Ospreay up there? Um, what number did Kenny come in? I don't know specifically what number Kenny got. Let me see if I can pull this up really fast. Um, Kenny also missed two-thirds of the year. Yeah, but still, I mean, it's his match quality. His match quality. Yeah, but if you only have two matches, it doesn't count. I think it counts. No. I think it does. No. All right, PWI 500. Let me see if I got the list. Here we go. Um, Seth Rollins was one. I stand corrected. Roman Reigns was two. John Moxley was three. You want to take a guess who was four? Otis. No. Gunther was four. Oh. Number five was El Hidro del Vanquingo, who is the... Uh, Triple A heavyweight champion. Who do you want to guess was number six? Otis. MJF. Number seven was Kusuchiki Okada. Number eight was Orange Cassidy. Number nine was Josh Alexander. Who do you think number 10 was? It was Cody Rhodes. Number oh, 11 is Sonata. <laughs> number 12 is Claudio Castagnoli. Number 13 is Carmelo Hayes. 14, Samoa Joe. 15, Masha Slamovich. Now, here are all the people that Masha Slamovich was ahead of. She was ahead of, you ready? Brian Danielson, which I think is a joke. Brian Danielson had a great year. Um, Will Ospreay was 17. That's a, that's a joke. Alex Hammerstone was 18. I love Alex Hammerstone. And then you had Bobby Lashley, Trey Miguel, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. Both came in respectively 21 and 22. Omega came in at 25. Um, some other interesting ones. Hangman Adam Page came in at 28. Matt Cardona came in at 31. Uh, who else? Steve Macklin came in at 41, which he's really, really good. 
Uh, I love Zach Sabre Jr. He came in at 36. He'll be feuding with Brian Danielson coming up at Wrestle Dream in Seattle. Who else? Let's see. Ricky Starks came in at 43. Uh, Wardlow, Wardlow came, came in 47. at 47. Yeah, Darby Allen 49. Edge 50. is at 50. Guevara is at 51. Let's see who else that I think is interesting. How did Ray come in ahead of Sheamus? Good question. Um, Finn Balor at 61. Danny Wheeler Garcia. Yuta at 63. I disagree with that one. How can you put Wheeler Yuta ahead wow. of Pentagon Jr.? How do you put him again ahead of uh, Daniel Garcia? Jack Perry comes in at 73. Eddie Kingston at 79. Um, Rocky Romero, 79. Wow. Yeah. Pack is number 90. Let's see here. Now, number 95 is a guy by the name of Calvin Tankman, and he is phenomenal. He's a big man, definitely a big man, but he has done a lot of stuff in AEW in Chicago and in MLW, and he has done great stuff. AJ Styles comes in at 99. Um, let's see here. Who Hook else? Hook at 103. Hook at 103. Mustafa Ali, 108. Wow. Shinsuke Moore comes in at 113. Swerve Strickland comes in at 112, just one spot ahead of him. Effie, uh, no, I, I disagree with that. He's a character. He's not a wrestler. He's at 121. LA Knight at 130. You know what? I wonder when the 2024 comes out if LA Knight's not in the top 10 because I, I have a feeling that he's going to have a breakout. I really do. Yeah. Uh, who else that I find interesting? Let's see. Nick Wayne at 147. So you're basically telling me Joey Janela and Matt Tremont are actually higher than him. Not something I believe in. Um, Juice Robinson Juice Robinson coming in at 142 is surprising. The Miz coming in at 141 is surprising. It's ridiculous. It's a travesty. I agree. Um, Ricochet at 149. I don't know. I just felt like doing that. Oh my Have you ever seen any Gringo Loco matches, by the way? No. Look them up on YouTube. Really good. Um, Matt Riddle, the porn star-loving, fight-breaking, airport-hating man, comes in at 164. Nick Gage at 157. Nick Gage. Sorry, 175. Oh, gosh. So he comes in ahead of Tom Tonga? comes ahead of Dax Hardwood. Well, I'm fine with that. Um, let's see. PCO coming in at 192. Good good for him. Probably the oldest guy. Well, maybe not quite the oldest guy. Uh, Minoru Suzuki is probably a little bit older. Uh, who else is interesting? Willie Mack at 207. Wow. Why don't we ever see Willie Mack? He is so good. Willie Mack, I think, is with Ring of Honor. I'll get that up here. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see if anybody else is really like Johnny Gorgano 227. Now, rumor has it they were going to bring DIY back with Johnny Gorgano and um, Tommaso Ciampa. And I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. They've been teasing it. So I think a lot of NXT fans would love to see that. Anybody else? Tommaso Ciampa 242. 
Um, gosh, we're only halfway through the list. In, uh, a lot of these people I've never heard of. I'm trying to think. Carlito, of 285. I don't really think you can put him in there. Kofi Kingston, 294. Richard Holiday comes in at 276. Interestingly enough, he's uh, he did some stuff with Ring of Honor as well. He's also had a WWE tryout as of the last couple of weeks. I think that was pretty cool for him. Luchasaurus, your boy, no. 298. No, I don't. No. I literally don't believe in dinosaurs. Um, That's a conspiracy. Jeff Cobb comes in at 311, which I think he should have been higher than that, in my opinion. Let's see. Let's see. All right. I didn't know. Chad Gable, 338. With the push he's got happening? I know. It's surprising that he fell that far. Wow. Erica Lee, girl we've had on the show before, 347. Good for her. Danny Limelight, 350. We've had him on the show before. He's done some great stuff with MLW. Um, (laughs) Masato Tanaka. 361, 361, the guy from ECW, wow. feuded with Mike Awesome and was batshit crazy. Let's see. Yep. The Great Ocon coming in at 379. That's kind of cool to see him doing that. Tarek at 385. He's an Ontario guy. He's so okay. good. Dolph Ziggler coming in at 393. It's probably why he got cut. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Woods, you had him on your show. Love Josh Woods. 400. Nice. Jossie, frontman Jossie, is uh, 396. Love to see that as well. By the way, Khan, did you did you just mention Khan? No. Khan's good. Khan's really good. He was part of the th- uh, the six-man uh, tag champions of Ring of Honor. So, Facade, I've interviewed him before. He's been on the show. So, let me just go down all the way to around the last couple of people. Let's see if we are even roughly familiar with them. So, Andre Chase, I'm not familiar. Big Dust, I'm not familiar. Let's see. George South is continuing to wrestle today. He's at at 492. George South. Wow. He's no spring chicken. He's up there. Yeah, he is up there. Let me see. Let's see. What is his age? Let's see if we can guess his age. 104. Now, come on. Honestly, George South. Uh, I say he's in his 67. That's not that old. Not that young either. No, I'm not saying that, but I mean, it, it, it's not as what I thought it was going to be. How old is he? You said 67. That's my guess. Oh, my bad. Let's see. George South. Here we go. Let's see. Why'd you throw? Oh, let's see. It was your guess. Okay. Uh. Wow. So he just turned sixty-one. Just turned sixty-one. Sorry, George. Yeah. No shit. Seems like he's been around forever. It seems like he's been around forever. He was born September seventh, nineteen sixty-two. Yeah. You're only a couple years younger than him. Hey, just saying. More than a couple um, years. Anything else that you wanted to talk about this week? Anything that caught your attention? Yada 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 yada. 
No. Um, nothing really caught my attention. I'm a, a little bit busy, so I'm a little bit out of the loop, unfortunately. I apologize for that. But no, nothing. Just a, the cuts today were coming in hot and heavy. That kind of, you know, a lot of them are surprises. Next week, we should go through uh, where we think they're going to end up. Ooh, a prediction show. I like yeah, it. Something fun. Yeah, I think we could definitely do that. Yeah. I definitely do think we could do that. Butster, it has always been fun, man. It's always good a chance to chat with, chat with you. Um, big toy shows that are going to be coming up. We are exactly one month away from the next big show, which means you're going to be gearing up in the wood shop. And uh, Now, are you going to get a head start? I mean, do you feel like you've got a decent supply already ready, or are you going to be starting off from scratch here? I, if I were to guess, I must have a 1,000 toys now. Oh, that's Maybe. good. Now, oh, how many I'll keep working on it? How many do you ultimately want to have with you when you load up to go to the show? Depends on the show. Smaller one like a RG Sinclair. If I have ten of everything, that should do me well. It's only a six-hour show. Give me a give me a number here. What's what's ten of every toy that comes out to how many? Five hundred and fifty or so. Okay. So you definitely have the ability. I mean, so in your stockpile right now of a thousand, obviously there's going to be more of certain sections, certain items than others. Yep. Okay. So you're probably just going to try to level the playing field out then. Yeah. Uh, dinosaurs. We got to get them into production. Um, I have to make about 10 more helicopters, 10 more planes. Uh, probably. 10 or a dozen tractor trailers. Got to make some buses. Uh, I think that'll top me up half decent. And then it's just a matter of replacing what I sell. Nice. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Sounds like things are going well for you. Big shows coming up. Where is it going to be at in one month? That's... That's the R.G. Sinclair Public School, Kingston, Ontario, 19 Creerar Boulevard, C-R-E-R-A-R. And, yeah, it's on the 21st of next month. 21st. You believe it? It's going to be October soon. It's crazy, huh? That's insane. Unbelievable. Halloween candy are already in the stores. That's right. Absolutely. Well, if you go to, uh, you guys have Hobby Lobby up in Canada? Okay, so Hobby Lobby is like a, it's it's as large as a Walmart, I think. It's a big craft store where basically you you know people who who make things, um, they make a lot of stuff for like holiday stuff, like blankets and quilts, and they make the wreaths that have all the different decorations on them and and all this good stuff. So people are flocking to Hobby Lobby, but man, they started putting Christmas stuff up in. Before the 4th of July. Okay, that's a bit much. Well, just because people end up buying that stuff to start making stuff. And I'm sure if you're going to be a part of some of these shows, as you know, you got to get your inventory up. And But yes, before the 4th of July, it, wasn't, it was like 90 some odd degrees outside and they got, you know, fake snow and Christmas trees inside and Santa and all that kind of stuff. I uh, can't do that. Man. 
Interesting. We hope that you've enjoyed this show, wherever you're listening at right now. Hopefully, we've been able to come in and uh, come into your life for an hour and a half or so and giving you something to think about, have some fun, get your mind off of things. If you're on the road traveling, if you're on a plane ride or you're waiting for a plane to arrive, uh, definitely listen to us. You can find us on just about any major platform that podcasts are made available. And if you want to, again, follow us on social media, you can follow me at the Mike Freeland, T-H-E-M-I-K-E-F-R-E-L-A-N-D. If you want to follow the Butster, it's at GotNoof2291. Once again, GotNoof2291. Butster, people want to get in contact with you about um, your products that you offer. You do have a Facebook page, correct? I do have a Facebook page, a CB79 Wooden Toymaker. Give me a Give me a like and a follow. Send me a message. We put up all our advertising for events we have coming up. Uh, any new products. And yeah, we just kind of spread the word around. Make some toys. See if we can get some happy kids. And life's good. Nice. For the Butster, I am Mike Freeland. It's been real and it's been fun. We're going to catch you guys on the next episode of the Front Row Material Brand.